Thank you so much for being here today. Today we are speaking with Brian Ebert, a technologist and tinkerer who is always interested in exploring new frontiers for improving human achievement and well-being. Brian Epper is the founder and lead developer at Noda, which is a tool in virtual reality to build and share 3D mental models like mind maps, storyboards, project plans, etc. And this is all with the purpose of enhancing productivity, understanding, and awareness. Thank you so much, Brian, for being here today. I'd like to know how did you get started with this amazing project, with this app, how is the, you know, the, the story behind the app and um, maybe some ups and downs that you've been uh, experiencing during the journey? Thank you so much. Great. Yeah, thank you, Diana. I'm glad to talk to you. Um, well, I, I had been working in enterprise software, so nothing to do with VR or AR or mind mapping. Um, but uh, this has always been an interest. And in... Around 2014, there was a Kickstarter from um, a kid basically out of California named Palmer Lucky that produced a, a headset, a VR headset, the first one that was for um, regular people to use, not, not uh, institutions. So that was really exciting, and it drew my attention because it's always something I've been curious about. What if we could use technology in a way that's more... Uh, human friendly instead of keeping everything on a screen and have to be kind of fixed at a chair. What if we could, um, almost be inside the computer? I watched Tron when I was a kid and I remember thinking like, what would it be like inside of a computer and programming all these years? I've thought about it often. So when I saw the VR headset come out, I thought, okay, great. This is my chance. Let's, let's see what this can do. So I started experimenting. Um, I actually, the first event I went to was a, a, a hackathon, a gaming type of a weekend where you just, you know, a bunch of people got in a room and tried to build whatever they could. And I met some really great people and learned a lot about game engines and, and virtual reality, how it worked. I really had no idea what, you know, how it even was working. Was it shooting light into your eyes or, you know, I just didn't know anything. So. I went to that first um, hackathon and I learned so much and I just got really excited and started working with those same people again on a different project. And then that led to a, a startup company that um, we, we um, started with the same group and built a, built a little app for using your uh, headset to look at web browsers inside of your game. And um, that is what kind of got me going on the idea of how do we navigate information using immersive technology? And um, it's just been on that track since then. And that was two or three years ago I started working on Noda. And it's been um, ups and downs as far as uh, the level of interest in virtual reality. There's been uh, spikes of interest and, and then sort of valleys where it doesn't seem to be as, as uh, hyped. But um, at the moment, I think it's at a great level because every time it spikes and then drops, it spikes and drops, it's still moving forward. So more and more people are using it. And I can tell just by the amount and the types of people that are using Noda and contact me, contacting me about it that this is um, here to stay. I think this is 
this is going to be around for a while and probably develop um, into a much greater part of our culture. So I'm I'm glad to be working on it, and um, I'm glad I started when I did. And um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleased with the way things are going. So thanks for um, thanks for getting in touch. Ah, that's amazing. Yes, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, one of the things that I mostly like about this opportunity now to interact with app developers, with founders, is to take a look at their story. Because when we see the product in the stores, we just see that, the product. But people connect a lot with the journey. Who is that person? And uh, I feel that the product is the result of what is in the mind of mm-hmm. the person is is the is the work of the art you know so that's why i like to explore what is inside that person and i'm just going to link this to the actual functionality of this app which is mind maps so my question for you would be why mind map like what fascinates you about this and why mm-hmm. did you think that in the art it would be even more better well, I, I'm a spatial thinker and I, I've noticed <clears throat> you can kind of tell people who think spatially almost by the way they move their hands when they talk. And, uh, if they're, if they're moving their hands around, um, they're thinking of ideas in a spatial way. <clears throat> and I've always done that. So for me, mind mapping is a natural way to, um, explore ideas and to really find clarity in ideas because without drawing something or um, writing it down helps, but it's just so linear, but without drawing it in in boxes and, and, and bubbles and lines connecting, it's hard for me to feel like I really understand something. So um, for me, it's a way to understand things. And I've used pen and paper. I've also used um, computer and mouse and keyboard and screen to do mind mapping, but I always felt frustrated with the limits of the the page and just the flatness of it that you you run out of space so quickly if you have to keep everything flat and even even with a scrollable window you can't really keep all that information in your head at the same time you have to move it around so what I liked about the idea of using uh, the virtual reality for this is that you can relate to the information in a way that's familiar, that's a spatially familiar way. So in the same way that you know in the room where you are, where everything is in the room, it's like an instant sort of look up in your head that, oh, I, I know that it's in a drawer. I know it's next to this other thing. I can pull it out. Or that book is right next to this other book on the shelf. So uh, I had the feeling that using virtual reality to category or to categorize information or to draw information would be able to have that same that same feeling of knowing where things are and I think it's turning out that way that there's something about the the simulation of real space using virtual reality that uses the same methods that you use in real space to remember where things are and to feel grounded in uh, in a, a map of information so um, that was the that was the it was a feeling that led me to try to experiment with it, and, and then there was a sort of um, just a a little uh, flash of what I would like to do, because I started working with these headsets and I wanted to just be able to 
place an idea bubble in space. Just be able to pinch it, pinch a finger and place an idea bubble and maybe talk into it and say what, you know, say what I was thinking about and have it show up and then be able to do that again and again and again and start drawing between them. Just the simplest motion of pinching my finger and drawing between two places. <clears throat> so between those two concepts, I put, put them together and uh, mind mapping is a natural way to talk about that because it's something people are familiar with. So um, we use the term mind mapping to to describe that process of linking ideas together with lines and, and shapes. Yeah, that's amazing. It seems basically what uh, the app helps with also is to help you to visualize your thoughts intuitively Right. And um, I also found that it uses this um, collection of information to display it is as in branches, just as the brain operates. That mm. sounds um, amazing. I really like the fact that it's all done by you, you know, speech to text. Um, I think that that's a pretty cool feature that you added. How was the process of the actual design? you know, the concept, the design, how, how was that workflow that, that you work? Because I, I've heard also that, um, uh, like I read also, that the UI is uh, very intuitive. So I like to dip a little bit into the design process that you follow for this. Okay. Um, well, it was um, a lot of trial and error. Um, starting with, um, I was learning to use Unity, which is a game engine, to create virtual reality. And just the process of learning it uh, required me to do a lot of experimentation. And I was experimenting with the, the, the headset and the controllers at the same time as I was experimenting with Unity and just trying to learn everything. So I did a lot of quick experiments um, to see what felt right, what worked uh, for me. And then I would show... People, again, I was in these kind of, um, there was a lot of uh, meetups and things around virtual reality at the time. So I would always take whatever I had and take it to those meetups and see what other people thought about it, as well as just testing on friends and family and things like that. So I was always trying to get people to, to use it and, and see how they used it. And um, I went through a couple of experiments that didn't work out. One that I remember is... Um, trying to make everything spatial, like trying to make every part of the interface 3D, like you would, um, you know, even the typing, it would be in 3D letters and the keyboard was um, sort of had a, a little height to it. So you'd be pressing all the, the keys down and the, the selectors, the color selectors were like paint buckets that you would sort of dip into. And, and those seemed like good ideas because we have this new technology. I felt like we want to use it in a way that's unique and that suits the medium. And 3D is the, you know, it must be better than, than 2D for a lot of these things, I thought. But I don't, it may, it may be, but I didn't discover how to make that happen because it seems like people, when they navigate certain types of information, it just makes sense to be on a screen. So <clears throat> small menu items and selections for um, different shapes and colors and things like that. It worked out well to put it on a screen that people are familiar with from their phones and their tablets and their computer. But keeping that 
uh, information just on the screen is fine for things outside of the main uh, activity. But the main activity is the three-dimensional part. So separating those two things out was um, a learning process and figuring out what should be 3D and what should be 2D. So that was a um, trial and error. And <clears throat> the other part of the design, I think, is guided just from adding things, um, adding things one at a time. So just knowing that we had to have nodes and connections first, that seems like the first thing you need to be able to do. That's the easiest thing to do because it's the first thing that was added. And then adding from there everything else you needed in the order that it was um, of, of importance and then making a place for it in the UI. So <clears throat> the things that you don't do very often are probably the, the hardest things to do or the furthest away from you. But the things you have to do all the time are the things that are most available. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, of course, it's um, it's an opportunity for people to start, you know, exploring, using flow diagrams, um, networks, uh, project plans. It's, it's, it's awesome. I read that there were uh, some users already, um, getting, you know, into the app. And for example, there was a writer who was using it to map their, uh, the, like the plot of the book. So mm -hmm. what other cool uses have you seen for this uh, amazing mind mapping, um, tool i've seen some unexpected ones mm -hmm. um i i've i was uh happy to see writers using it for like you said for plotting out stories and i've seen also readers of of complex um uh, novels and, and fictional universes map out the story themselves as a reader just to kind of keep all the characters straight um so that the literature <clears throat> and stories and, and movies, I think, also kind of work work similarly, where there's a lot of different pieces that you'd like to be able to map together. Um, and then besides that, there's also planning for, for spaces. So for uh, construction projects or just sort of like um, uh, just dr dream boards for building like your house or, or a summer project or something like that, just idea boards where you want to bring together information and think about it, just sort of sit in the middle of all this thing, all this stuff that you've collected and be able to kind of be inspired or think creatively about the issue and be able to come up with new ideas and put ideas together. Um, there's something kind of calming about being in a, a really open uh, 3D space with no clutter, nice music, uh, no interruptions, and people can just sort of like associate things together and come up with new new ideas um so besides the the planning and the and the house stuff um we've seen uh people describe um an entire uh, organization so almost like an org chart that you would see in 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 2d form as a tree but it would be in in a three-dimensional form where um it, it's uh, assembled around the whole room so a, a gigantic organization could be um, put in different parts of the room. And because you, like I said, you remember where things are, there's a kind of a association between the content in the room and where it lives. We have one space that's a gallery space. 
and uh, you can put things in the gallery close to um, the wall. You can put it on the balcony. You can put it under the lights or um, by the door. There's there's ways to associate different parts of the space with different ideas. Um, so so we've seen some interesting use of 3D space for, um, let's say, the, the gallery or the um, the balcony is used for ideas that are sort of uh, out there. They're fu- future ideas. They're things we want to put up on the shelf. But things in the middle of the space are things we want to present to our team. Um, so... So yeah, we and as far as uses, we've seen just just tons of stuff. I mean, everything that we that that you use mind mapping for, people are using in Noda, which is usually some kind of um, brainstorming, um, planning, um, ideation. You know, these that's what you would use this kind of tool for. Yeah, I found interesting you mentioned for construction, engineering, right? Like design, those phases of design that are in ideation. That sounds great. And in the actual development, like the coding, the mechanics, etc., what were the main challenges? Oh, at, at the beginning, there was um, there was a lot of uh, technical challenges, just with the hardware so new and the software so new, and everyone was just sort of uh, everything was changing quickly, and all the tools were sort of not ready for it. The game engine that we used was not built to make virtual reality games. It was built to make 3D and 2D games for a computer screen or a mobile phone. So all of the tools had to be sort of updated on the fly and things were a bit buggy and crashy and things like that. So I just remember, you know, struggling with trying to get anything built was was a challenge just because the the things would change so quickly and they would break so quickly. So there was a lot of that in the beginning. <clears throat> but that's since... Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that's since kind of worked itself out and, and now we have better, <clears throat> sorry, now we have better tools. So um, now the main challenges are um, design challenges of, of how to make the UI, make the interface that people use decipherable, make it understandable, make it simple um, and make things clear. So that's a challenge because um we're trying to get a lot in. We're trying to let you do all kinds of things in Noda. So that makes it um, challenging to be able to surface those things in a way that's um, easy to use. So that's a challenge. And then coding-wise, there's always challenges with um, in, in performance um, and, and just the, the coding of um, some of these features in 3D. You, you kind of have to wrap your head around them. <clears throat> 3D math and coordinates and all kinds of interesting challenges with, um, <clears throat> let's say, meshes or rendering or graphics cards, um, memory usage, things like that. So there's there's a ton of like technical challenges, and then there's some design challenges too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. I think that everybody who is in the process of learning design or development for VR is um, struggles with a lot of these uh, same situations. And uh, also in the entrepreneurial side, adapting always to the clients, the customer's needs, right? So being able to to drive according with the market or the demand. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my question, my next question is related with that, with the entrepreneurial. How it is for a developer to actually now wear the hat of an entrepreneur 
because that has to happen, right? What was your your thought about that? How has been your experience? Well, that that has been interesting, and you know, another challenge, I guess, is as a learning experience is is the the financial or business side of it is um, it's important. I think it it would not be my my first choice to work on uh, that that side of things. I think I'm more interested in the technical and the building part of it, but I, I do have a, an interest and it, it must happen that there has to be a functional business part of this because otherwise there's no, there's no time for it. There's no money for equipment or, you know, there's, there's no resources available. So um, I've, I've kind of done it by necessity and I've had some help. Um, there, there've been a couple people who have helped me out as far as business partners or advisors. And that's really um interesting to learn from people who have experience and um so so it's it's equally equally for me a learning experience on the business side as the technical side and um i'm kind of learning as i go i think i'm a bit further behind on the business side as i am on the technical side but we're 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 getting better all the time it helps that um it helps that people are really into the software they they like using it you know it's it's good when the customers are enthusiasts and um you know um they help to spread the word and things like that so i think we've we've been lucky with um, the people that have kind of come around though that have been incredibly generous and helpful um and then engaging with the consumer market is is interesting because you just get so many types of people Um, and they have so many ideas and they want to see this, you know, set of features or they want to see, um, maybe something change that they, that they would like to have work a little bit different. So just getting a ton of feedback from people and trying to navigate all that, as well as the business side of figuring out like how to sell the product or what direction to take the product. And, um, these are all kind of interesting questions. And so far I've been guided by a combination of my own intuition and the messages I'm getting from the external world. Um, if I see a lot of people asking for the same thing, that gives me a good signal that that's important probably for, for some group of people. And then I sort of try to figure out why. And, and then based on the answer to that question, why maybe there's some indication that we should you know move in that direction for one example is the uh, multiplayer feature. So multi, multi-user collaboration in Noda. That was not originally my, on, on my high priority for me because I was a, a solo mind mapper. I was a person who thought of this as like a personal space where you get your ideas straight. I didn't expect anyone to find much value from seeing other people's mind maps, but it wasn't the case. It was something people asked for again and again and again. So. It, it definitely opened my eyes to the importance of being able to bring multiple people in the same space. Mm. Wow. Amazing. That, that is so interesting. Yeah. When we begin to make the apps, we, we feel that we're going in certain direction. And sometimes it takes so many different, <laughs> in mm. these cases related because people want to interact each other in the same space. And for example, for, project plans for construction, for engineering, I can see how people would want to work in teams for mm -hmm. companies, for example. 
and even good exercises and, and, and good um, edu educational purposes, for example, at the schools. I can see how they like to interact each other. So that's great that you're getting that type of feedback and that you're working on it. So what are the, the new stuff that maybe updates that are coming or stuff that you're working on, if you can disclose any? Sure. Well, another another thing that we, we learned from the people using the, the app or that they wanted to be able to bring in their own data source. They wanted to bring something from somewhere else and then show it in 3D virtual reality. Um, so we kept getting requests like that. And um, after a certain point, we felt, why? why? Why do people want to be able to, you know, connect this to their own system? And it's because the because they want to use virtual reality, but it's it's kind of daunting to build your own virtual reality app. It takes a lot of specialized knowledge and it's just not, you know, it's not their main focus, so they don't want to spend a lot of time on it. So we've created a way for people to integrate their their systems or their data or their kind of like um, favorite um, apps or resources into Noda so that we've created an API, like an integration API that people can use to pipe in their own data or connect it to some other service um, so that they can use Noda as a way to navigate their own data universe without having to create it inside of Noda or um, import it somehow. They can just connect directly to their own system. So that's a big, that's a big change we're, we're moving uh, towards and that's coming out soon probably in the next uh, week or two. <clears throat> and then, we, <clears throat> oh, sorry. One other thing is to be able to get your information out of virtual reality, to get yourself, your the stuff that you create in the headset, out of the headset. So that's a big request that people have had, and we didn't really have a great answer for it. You can do screenshots from the headset, you can create little videos, but still it's a little bit limited because you have to, you know, it's, it's linear, so you have to show everything. And then um, it's, it just doesn't it doesn't maintain the same feel of being in 3D. So we created a way to export your mind map to a web page. So you can just go in the headset, you can create your mind map, and then you can send it to yourself or someone else, and they can view it on a web browser, like a desktop web browser or a mobile web browser. And they can navigate that 3D space using their, their mouse or their finger and and look through the map and see all the information that was placed there. So that's, uh, I think that's going to be a good change for, for people who want to share their work and have it go out, live outside of the headset because not, not everyone has a VR headset. So they can't, they can't meet up with their friends in, in Noda if their friends don't have a headset. So now they can share, they can share their maps with other people without needing to have a headset. Wow. That sounds amazing. I'm super excited and find very interesting the um, option that you created there for anyone to bring Nora into their own app, like as, a, as an option for productivity, etc. Wow, that sounds so smart and so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So how people can get a hold of you or, you know, connect with you or, you know, get in contact to, to, to have access to the app. Sure. So they can contact me at uh, brian at noda.io. And uh, our, our website is noda.io. 
And on the bottom of the website is a, um, a mailing list sign up. So you can sign up for um, our mailing list to get information about upcoming releases. And um, there's some sometimes special offers there and, um, and, and give your feedback as well. We've got, you know, all kinds of ways for you to, to give us your, 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 you know, suggestions or uh, thoughts or criticisms. Um, so email, uh, website and mailing list are probably the best ways to, to stay in touch. The app is available on the Oculus Quest store. So that's the, um, uh, it's, it was formerly Facebook, now Meta, um, the, the Quest headset. So that's, um, that's the most up-to-date version of the app. And that's the one we probably recommend for now. Um, and, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Brian, is there any question that you wish I had asked you today? Um, no, I, I think you asked some great questions. I, I, I like that you're interested in the development process. I think that's, you know, as a developer, of course, I'm, I'm fascinated with that as well. But I, I think a lot of people are. So I'm glad you're asking those kinds of questions of people because I get, I get those questions from, from our users too. Like, how is this built? And, and, you know, I think people are curious. I think it's a really interesting field. And, um, and no, I, I think you asked some great questions. I'm, I'm happy to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate your time. I know that you are my being in a tight schedule. So really, really grateful for investing this time with us. Um, we're going to be sharing this with the community. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. And see you in the next episode. Thank you, Diana. Wow. It's good to meet you.